Welcome to MC Podcast, episode 22. Today we talked about drought stress on corn and pollination and, and what some what some growers can be expecting in, in studio, so to speak, as we are on the road uh, here in New York this week as Kevin Kuhn, CEO of Master's Choice, and Scott Harris, National Sales Manager. Hope that you enjoyed the fun time that we had talking about these things. Hi, and welcome to MC Podcast, episode 22. Appreciate you joining us today. My in-studio guest is Kevin Kuhn and Scott Harris. Kevin Kuhn is our um, CEO of Master's Choice. Scott Harris is our national sales manager, international, galactic, however we want to call it. He's the guy in charge of sales. He sells it. He sells it. You know, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. So appreciate you guys joining me. Hey, we're in uh, Cortland, New York today. We are doing some non-GMO conferences. We're actually in the uh, the lobby of the uh, Comfort Inn, or we had a Comfort Suites tonight. Comfort, Comfort Inn. Inn. Comfort Inn. So we're in the lobby of the Comfort Inn, and so uh, so appreciate you listening in. We're gonna we're gonna kind of get get rolling here. I just uh, so first of all, just let me ask. We've been on the road for a few days. You know, we're we're fixing to jump into that to that full blown kind of sales season. So we're kind of getting geared up. Are, do we have our we have, I mean, we, we have our sales legs under us, so to speak. What do you think, Scott? Um, well, basically, I would describe it as no. No. Yeah. Not so, yet. So, no, we're not quite ready yet, um, but uh, we are getting ready. I'm pretty sure we stopped selling about two weeks ago. So, we've got that nice two-week lull before the selling season starts again. Uh, got, a, got a lot of travel going right now. I know um, I was talking to Alex this week. We were trying to schedule a meeting time, and I told him, I said, well, I'll be in the office Monday morning. If you can't catch me then, I'll be in sometime in the spring of about 2026. Yeah, I think I told him. I think I'm in that same week. So So maybe we can do it. We'll schedule something. See, see, I I think that I beat you all. I think I'll be in in, like, Halloween. I think think I've got a day in at Halloween. So, And that that all depends on whether or not I've got to go to Kansas. Because as, you know, when I started this trip this week, I had, I was in, I was in Ohio last week. And then Ohio again this week, New York. Next week I'm in Idaho. Then I'm Texas. Then I am Alberta. And then I'm Texas. And and all of a sudden it was just like, wait a minute here. Wait, wait, I'm never going to be home again. Right. And then on the way down, or the way down on the way up yesterday, guy from Kansas calls, hey, I need to see if we can schedule a time for you to come out to Kansas. I'm like, How's October sound, right? Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, it's not like you've got 15 kids at home you got to worry about. No, no, anything. don't have 15. So, just just five. Just a quarter of that. Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt. So, hey, we no, are, we, we are, we're, you know. He's in sales. Yeah. <laughs> that is the reason we, we I'm not in We don't account. let him deal with the finances. No, no reason. That's what no they tell me. That I'm supposed to travel 85 days. I'm so bad at math. I didn't get him at the 115 days. I'm like, oh, I think that's <laughs> yeah, about I think right. I, I, think <laughs> I think I'm good for that. Two <laughs> percent so, over. So as we have been, as we all have been, kind of kind of traveling around and, and and really fixing to kick off, we're we're really approaching pretty hard upon upon harvest season. We 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 talked to a lot of guys, different parts of the country about where they're at on harvest. I know here in New York, we Kevin, you and I saw some corn today that has already pollinated. It's looking good. It's starting to fill. And then we saw some today that was was in pretty bad shape. Yeah, we did. Um... You know, and this is the time of the year as harvest is approaching where um, myself and Kyle Vosberg are out on the road a whole lot, walking plots, looking at corn. Uh, We're out meeting with dealers, looking at, you know, what's going on with with their fields or customers' fields. 
And, uh, you know, we're really, really evaluating a lot of hybrids at this point. And it's unbelievable how spotty the crop is across the country right now. Uh, we had areas that dealt with extremely cold, wet conditions early. Um, and I say early, I mean, it drug on into way up into June for a lot of folks. Um, and, and then there are pockets where it just flat has not rained. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kyle was in Kansas this, this week and, uh, and, and was, was on, was on some places out there where I, I think, you know, an, an inch and a half in the last couple of months. Something, right. something there, along those there lines. are some areas that are talking like 40 and 60 bushel corn, um, Fortunately, most of those pockets are isolated. It's, you know, we're not in a 2012 situation where everybody across the Midwest is is burning up, but there are pockets where it is uh, probably almost as bad as it was in 2012. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here, here's a, here's kind of a question for us to kick around for a little bit is, um, how, how is the, how is that drought stress? How, how is drought stress corn? How, how is the drought going to affect corn silage harvest? You know? What what are, what are we looking at there? I know you said forty sixty bushel corn. You know what 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 all does that what all does that mean for a producer? So it's you know it's going to change a lot of things. Um, you know and 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 we talk all the time about how um, genetic selection and management are what really drive your yields uh, and your quality. Um, but but really they they drive your profitability on the farm. And, you know, we run into one of these years where, where we have drought stress. Uh, the way that we, that we make decisions through this and the way we manage this is going to determine how efficient we're going to be and how profitable we're going to be for the next several months because we're going to be feeding off of that pile of corn silage, however small it might be, for a while. Um, you know, and so the, the things to really keep in mind is, um, you know, and one of the things that I, that I have seen in, in some of the drought years in the Midwest is it, it's really hard to judge how dry your corn silage is. Right. Um, you know, it, it has a tendency to, to dry up and want to turn uh, really fast. Um, but the, the odd thing is a lot of times I feel like the stalk, moist, the stalk holds moisture a lot longer than what we think it does. Uh, and I would agree with you. And in, in the, in, in the grain also. Correct. You know, the, the grain also does does that and so sometimes you get in there and it's it's quite a bit wetter than what you what you think it might right be. We, we see the firing of the leaves and we think oh man it's it, you know it's time to go and a lot of times we get in there and actually start taking samples and, and checking moistures uh, and we're whole, still holding a lot of grain and stalk moisture yeah. um, but it you know do not let it get away from you because you still have an opportunity and you can talk this better than I can you still have an opportunity even if you're not harvesting as much corn silage as you would normally harvest you still have an opportunity to put up some pretty good feed but if you let it get away from you and get dry then you're going to have less and you're going to have much less lower quality yeah yeah and you're going to i mean so so you're exactly right you know you you want to let it go far enough that you've got some good starch content you don't want to let it go too far that you lose moisture and then your silage is hard to pack. Your it doesn't ensile right. It doesn't keep as long, and, and the quality really goes down when you do that. So you really got to be you really got to be on top of that and, and watching that and checking it and not not checking it from the pickup truck. You know, I mean, you've actually got to you need to go out there. You need to cut some stalks. You need to squeeze some stalks. You know, may, maybe even you know run a sample to the lab. You know. Uh, you know, I, if it looks like it's ready to go, take a sample to the lab. It's going to take you two days to get a result back. You're you're not going to lose it in two days, right? And 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 so, um, <clears throat> you know, so so just just pay attention to that. You know, one of the one of the good things about drought stress corn is though is that the fiber is going to be really good. 
Generally on drought stress dry corn, what we see is good fiber digestibility because that plant's main function is to reproduce, right? And, um, and to put an ear on so it's taking all the energy out of, instead of putting it in, in structure and stature of the plant, it's, it's taking all that and putting it in the, in, on, on the ear. And um, in and, and that way, you, you, do, you get some, you get some does, better fiber quality. So does that matter when the drought stress occurs, though? Because does the plant, and I'm just a question, does the plant put more lignin into it within a stress situation like that that's going to be as digestible? No. Um, so what we typically find is, especially in a prolonged kind of drought, is, is and, and I would say, um, I would say, especially if it's from, Right, right before it goes reproductive into the reproductive stage, okay. you're you're definitely going to see you're definitely going to see your 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 quality go up. But if it's been a drought the whole time, then then that's then, a different situation. No, then you're you're still gonna you're gonna okay. see it then too. Okay. Um, and so I, I think one of the issues that they're gonna have um, here in the in the northeast where we are is I think we're gonna see fiber quality go down because they've had quite a bit of rain. They got in it was it was late it was wet and cold. That plant got a lot of got okay. a lot of heat. It was putting on. Okay. It said, "Man, so I got everything that more I need." Maybe it started really good and it was pushing out to be something crazy good, and then bam. Yeah. You know, we have seen we have seen out here. We've seen a lot of uh, a lot of corn that was really wet early, so we saw a lot of nitrogen leaching. Yeah. Now, that's that's really going to affect our grain fill, correct? It will. Yeah, and not only will it affect our grain fill and how much grain we actually put on, but it'll affect our our starch digestibility in a positive way. So the grain that you've got there, um, you know, because f- fertilizer uh, or, or nitrogen. Um, gets taken up by the plant and converted into proteins. You know, you want you want high protein alfalfa. Throw a little more nitrogen on it, and and it's just the the, the nature of that plant. So um, so when we don't have all of that, basically um, it doesn't it doesn't build as much prolamin protein in that grain. So we typically find a lot a lot softer grain, and it, it's really kind of interesting when we have too much water and, and a whole lot of that nitrogen leaching. We get better starch digestibility and poor fiber digestibility, and um, and so you know. Whereas if it's drought, typically what we see is better fiber digestibility. And and you know, to be honest with you, I I really don't know how the drought will affect starch digestibility uh, as as much. But I would assume that there would be quite a bit of nitrogen uptake there, and, and maybe maybe we would. I, I what just about don't know. starch as a percentage of dry matter? Is that going to be is it going to be higher? In the situation when you have a, a drought stress, or is there going to be any difference? So, so man, that's one of those it depends questions. So my general thought would be that it would be higher. But it, I, it, it could be, but I mean, if you're talking 40, 60 bushel corn, you definitely don't have right, as much. Right. You definitely don't have as much grain there. But your plant can, you know, you have 40, 60 bushel yields, and your plant is four foot tall. Yes, you're gonna have you're gonna have higher starches a percentage of dry matter. You have, you know, 40, 60 bushel corn yield, grain yield, and you have a six foot tall plant or a seven foot tall plant, then, then no, then, then, then you're not, you're, you're not going to have, you're not going to have as much starch as a percentage of dry matter, nor will you have starch as a percentage of dry matter on those fields that got really wet, that are really up and down and wavy, you know, and have the, have the yellow spots in them where the corn is, is stunted and, and, and not growing well. Um, because they just don't have grain fill. 
you know, I uh, talk talking about that drought stress, corn silage. Um, I hear guys all the time that you know, um, you know, we're we're really concerned about having enough feed, and then they start feeding drought stress corn silage, and all of a sudden, you know, it it went further than we thought. They they milked better on it than we expected, and we didn't have to supplement as much. Uh, what what what's the primary cause of that? So I, I don't know. I I. I I think sometimes it's overreaction. I think part of that is is just the farmer freaking out. You get the farmer freak out, you know what I mean? And um and so I think he didn't think he put up as much as what he did. Um you know, and and so cuz a lot of times that drought stress corn with having better fiber digestibility will will cause an increase in dry matter intake. That's that's one of the reasons why we get why we get kind of a milk increase there. And and so um, so I, th- I think a lot of that has to do with just him, just just that that farmer freak out that we get it, it get it harvest. So something too, and, and you you sort of mentioned it there, um, it, you know, and there there are all different degrees of drought stress. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, a lot of times we can just see uh, plants be a little shorter than normal. Right. And a lot of times guys underestimate how much of their yield comes from the stalk density and from the ear so that, you know, man, my corn last year was 12 feet tall. Now this year it's only seven or eight feet tall. I'm not going to get nearly the yield, but most of the time there's usually not that much difference in, in overall yield. Well, and I mean, you think about it, um, you know, how, how much does the top two feet of a plant really weigh? Right. It looks really good it, when it I drive down great. the road. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It looks great. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, and let's let's be honest. You can make me two inches taller. It ain't gonna help me look any better. I don't even know how to answer that, Scott. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even. I don't even. I don't even know. I mean, I'm already good. I don't. I don't know what I was trying to. I don't, I, but you would be just as heavy. You would only be taller. <laughs> so you would look thinner. You would exactly. Look thinner. You would look you, thinner. Kevin. Yes. You're a good you man. Go. You're a good go. man. And, you know, and that's that's really that's kind of a good a good point. You know, I, I've seen some some shorter statured plants that that really have. Good girthy ears, big ears, and big, big thick stalks. Now everybody's distracted. <laughs> now everybody in their minds is, is not thinking about corn. They're thinking about tall people, short people, <laughs> <laughs> fat people, <laughs> skinny people, fit people. Like, I only fit like two people. of those categories, and they're yeah, not the like, two that I want. Like, well, two out of eight ain't bad. <laughs> it ain't bad. It ain't bad. That's 25%. Oh, no, it's got to be like 40% at least, right? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's not 40%. Oh, okay. okay. So, so anyway, wow, we have we have severely digressed there, and so okay, we're good. We're good now. Yeah. All right. So you ready? Yeah. Okay. Because I got a question. All right. What's your question? So when you're talking about this this drought stress corn, one of the things that I've always wait wait about, a minute here wait a minute here when did this become you guys interviewing me? Right? You know what I mean? I mean who, who who's 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 taking the charge here? I've, y'all. Y'all, well, y'all this is actually an interview. Pro- it's actually an interview. We're going to see if we can do it better, <laughs> okay, and then, okay. All right, and then go from there. Try, okay. try if you want. Okay, so, what's well, your question? I, well, it's, it's kind of a question, comment. I, I've always kind of wondered about that, the effect of packing with the drier corn. Okay, yeah. So so really, so the, when, you, when you get below that 65% moisture, and, and really below the 62%, uh, percent moisture, you really begin to you really begin to affect how well that corn packs, right? And, and and so when you're when you're when you're packing that and you pack it to get the air out of it, right? So that's why we pack corn silage, is to get the air out of it so that we get that anaerobic fermentation, we get that right kind of fermentation. We don't get clostridial or yeast or mold builds up. Um, we get we get the right kind of fermentation, and then. Um, 
and so we, we, you know, we really, man, I, I've heard, you know, it's kind of all over the board, but, but really, you know, we want a packing density of, of, I mean, I really like 50 pounds per square foot, you know, um, some people will say 45, uh, we, we get in there and we get that, we get all the air squished out of that with, with that drier corn silage. It, it doesn't, it doesn't pack. It's harder to get that, to get that density down to that level where we've got all the air out of it, where we don't have air pockets, where we've got enough moisture to be able to, to, um, to aid that fermentation process. Um, and so, so that's, that's where you, that's, that's kind of where that, that falls when that, with that dry corn silage. So in relation to a drive over pile, you're going to make sure you're telling, uh, the farm's going to make sure they're telling their driver, you better not stop. Be- better not. Even, I mean, is it any worse than? So any, anybody who's putting up corn silage, don't stop. <laughs> you know, I mean, don't, don't stop. The more you drive over it, the better, it, especially drive over pile, bunker pile. You just, the more you drive over it, the better. I mean, it, it's you, they should they should never stop. And I'm assuming that uh, using a silage inoculant when you put this drought stress corn up is is probably going to be beneficial for some of that as well. Essential, not not just beneficial, but I mean, if you got if you got drier drought stress corn, and and it seems yeah, I mean, it seems to me we get a, we get a little bit more of the uh, with drought stress corn we get a little bit more of the molds and the mildews in there. You know what. We're never going to be able to eliminate those off of what we bring into the field. You're not going to be able to put an inoculant on that <clears throat> that you know that brings that level down out of the field. But if you put the right inoculant on and get good fermentation, it it doesn't it it doesn't increase it. And a lot of times, what happens is we we get those we get those molds and those yeasts uh, off out of the field. And um, and if we don't if we don't get it packed right, if we don't get a good inoculant on it, then then we've kind of got a bloom of those things in in that corn silage. So so we want to we want to make sure. Kind of going back, you know, let's let's fold this thing back a little bit. Going back to that, guy's got drought stress corn. He needs to be watching and looking for the looking at it and making sure it doesn't get away from him, you know, and and but making sure that he's letting it go enough to get enough starch and energy in 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 that, so that so they can, but not too far gone that that he misses that that good um you know that good optimal moisture to put to put silage up. So. That answer your question? Yeah, good job. Thanks. Yeah, you can take back over now. <laughs> I can take back over now. <laughs> yeah, I, I can. I can be the ones. So, so Kevin, um, you know, we, we think about this this drought stress thing. How do, how does how does drought and heat affect pollination? How, how how does that how does that affect that? Right. So you know we you know I, I mentioned there that there were some areas talking forty and sixty bushel corn. Um, that that is. Uh, that's typically a, a product of stress that has happened either prior to that, that V4, V6 stage where, you know, the plant's really determining yield, um, or it is direct stress at pollination time. And at, at pollination time is when the corn uses uh, more, more moisture than any other time of the growing season. Um, it, you know, the, the silks are, are made up primarily of water, so you got to have water there for the plants to be able to push silks. Um, and the hotter it gets, uh, the, the shorter the lifespan of pollen is, um, you know, so, so anytime we get, so how, how long, how, what is the lifespan of pollen can be up to 24 hours. Okay. Um, you know, that's, that's in perfect, perfect conditions, uh, that, that calling, uh, pollen can remain viable for 24 hours. Um, you know, uh, 
typically we're talking a few hours, you know, in, okay. uh, in a normal situation. Does a, if we think about this pollination thing, um, how long, how, how, how long, how many days and how, how long during those days does a, does a plant shed that pollen? So if we look at, uh, at when pollination occurs, um, the average time from emergence to pollen shed for most plants is about 60 days from emergence. Um, now, genetically, it'll vary one side or the other of that, depending on uh, the relative maturity of the crop and, you know, stress and things like that can affect it a little bit. But it's going to be in the ballpark of, of 60 days. Um, and once that pollen shed begins, um, you know, there's probably at the most a two-week window that that's okay. taking place. Okay. Seven to ten days is, okay. is when peak pollination is is really occurring. And is, and is it is it throwing pollen twenty four hours a day for those seven days? So basically, what happens is um, you know as as the dew dries off in the mornings, um, you have a combination of things that's happening. The silks, first of all, the, the dew gets off the silks because okay. if the silks are wet, they can't accept pollen. You also have to get the tassel dry so that pollen shed can occur. Uh, once you get the dew off the plants, uh, then you actually can get pollen shed. You can get acceptance from the silks. Um, that usually occurs up until the hottest part of the day, at which at which point some of that pollen shed actually shuts down. Now, you can get a little more pollen shed then again in the evenings when it cools off. Um, but most of your pollination is occurring from the time the dew dries off in the mornings until the peak of the heat in the midday. You know that that few hour window there. Um, and if you if you've ever worked in a in a uh, in a corn nursery, you know that how how important it is to get out there and get things done during that window when pollen sheds active. Definitely. So so what are what what are the negative effects of heat and drought on that pollination? So uh, when we're talking about heat and drought during pollination time, um, you know, so if if I am if I'm severely uh, starved of moisture, uh, basically the plant can't push silks out, or the silks they they just dry out. Now we saw that in 2012, where um, in the nursery the silks just literally dried up, um, and w without moisture in the silks. Um, you know they, that is that is the pathway for the pollen to get into the shoot and and uh, actually begin the kernel formation. You know so so basically it, it inhibits the the growth of silks. Um, the other thing is that it it greatly shortens that window of pollen shed. Um, you know so instead of it and you know when we talk like it could could occur from uh, the time the dew dries off to you know way up in midday when we get to peak heat. Well if if we're 100 degrees at 11 o'clock it's done. You know it, the pollen shed for the day is over with. Um, the other thing that, that can happen if if you see a crop get exceptionally stressed, um, a lot of times it'll rush and throw a tassel uh, because, like you said before, the primary objective of that plant is to produce seed. It's going to hurry and try to uh, try to pollinate something, but a lot of times it happens before shoots are even out and before silks are there. Um, you know, so so that basically that that time period uh, is is very important that we have moisture and that we are not overly stressed with heat um, you know so anything we can do to remedy uh, remedy that obviously in most cases we're waiting well yeah I was gonna that, that was gonna be my next question is there anything is there anything we can do so in, in those instances so the best things that we can do um, now there are scenarios where I know I'm gonna run into drought stress so I'm gonna plant into into straight sand. I'm going to plant into gravel. Um, 
you know, sometimes I may be able to plant a, a hybrid that will pollinate a little bit earlier. I, I got to be cautious that I don't that I don't use something that doesn't belong in my relative maturity zone. Right. But I may be able to utilize something that with a little bit shorter relative maturity window to get it pollinated, get it out of the field before we get extremely hot and uh, hot and dry. Yeah, and, and so so to kind of to that point, Scott, we we had we had a producer down in Texas who who who. In effect, wanted wanted certain hybrids, and, and how did have you have you talked to him? How how has that worked out? Right. So yeah, we had a guy down in Texas that planted. Uh, gosh, what would you say? Normally, about fifteen days shorter than what he would normally plant. Right, somewhere around there. Twenty five. Twenty five. It, it was ninety day corn. Right. Oh, that's right, because he used two, two, but he did do two different ones. Yeah. But, um, and so, and then their whole purpose was they wanted to beat that, get that pollination before it got ridiculously hot down there. And uh, spoke to him, uh, gosh, I guess that's been about a month ago now. It's the best corn they had on the farm. And, you know, we'll credit some of that to being Master's Choice Genetics. But, uh, you know, a lot of it, I think, has to do with the timing of it all. And it it was a unique hybrid. It's a hybrid that moves south really well for a short-season hybrid. And And, you're right. And they don't all do that. You're right. right. They don't all do that. And we had a confidence in that when when we recommended it down there. But I will also say this, that same hybrid – placed in its relative maturity zone will always produce better quality. I don't know what it is about getting as much heat and all of those things. That's what we, you know, that that is something that we always see. So so one of the ways that we can overcome this is maybe by planning, you know, a little bit shorter season as long as it's a hybrid that seems to work there. Are there any other ways that, that we can? So, um, you know, that there are, there are times where, uh, you know, maybe I can get my seed in the ground a little earlier. Um, so if if I've got a if I've got a field I know is going to be droughty, I'm I'm always trying to hurry and get the uh, get get it through pollination and get it to harvest before I run into stress. So uh, if I can get seed in the field earlier, now again we're back to genetic selection. We're going to run out there and we're going to plant corn uh, into cooler soils. They're not all going to like that. Um, so we got to pick something that that will handle uh, that stress. Um, especially if we're no-tilling, things like that, uh, if there's residue on the field. Um, you know, so, so getting the seed out there earlier to, to there again, get the, get the crop harvested earlier um, can help with some of that. What, what about later? I mean, you, you and I were talking. We've had, we've had several hours in the truck together this week already. And, um, and so, you know, we, we were talking that it, that it seems like a lot of times the guys who get in early, their corn does really well. And here lately, for whatever reason, the guys who who actually plant a little bit later seem seem to be seem to be doing better. It seems like those guys, a lot of times when we do have the drought stress and stuff, it seems like those guys who who plant at what we would consider the optimum time or the normal time seem to seem to not always have that. So so what about that guy who may say, "I'm gonna wait a little longer"? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if uh, if we've observed that enough years that we can say that's a that's a definitive trend, but. Uh, definitely, it seems like the guys who have planted what we would think would be the traditional planting window um, have incurred more stress on their crop. So the the really late planted stuff has been great corn, and the really early planted stuff has been great corn. It's been the stuff in between that's been somewhat hit and miss. Um, you know, if if I'm going going into something I know is going to be drought stressed, um, I don't want to take any chances. I want to, you know, and and. Yes, I may get past uh, the middle of the summer, and, and here we are in August, and now the trend across the country has been cooler and wetter. Right. Um, you know, so I may get some of that, but I certainly don't want my corn pollinating in July when it's when it's exceptionally hot. If I can get it pollinating in June, odds are I'm going to beat the heat. Right. Um, you know, so 
I, I would rather incur that that heat and drought stress after pollination. I may abort a few kernels, but you know, if that corn never pollinates, you know, if I don't get those kernel pollinated, I'm never going to have the potential to have that. Right. Um, you know, so, and, and you know, a lot of acres and a lot of parts of the country, guys have the opportunity to, to irrigate. Yeah. Um, you know, so, um, and, and, and not all those guys have unlimited water, um, but, uh, you know, obviously we so, can utilize that to remedy so some of that about, stress. What about irrigating during pollination? I mean, do we want to irrigate during pollination? You want to be really careful uh, irrigating during pollination time, and and I I'm always I always tell guys be cautious about spraying or putting anything on the corn during that pollination window. Um, if if you can, uh, you know, it, the corn's going to utilize a lot of water at that point, so it, it needs it. Um, if if you are in, if and, you, and we're talking overhead irrigation. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yes. flood irrigation, different story. Right. Um, you know if. Uh, if you're at a point where your crop is stressed, you're better off to water it than to not water it. I'll put it that way. Um, but we talked earlier about how critical um, the silks and the pollen are. If we if they are wet, they're not going to pollinate. So we don't want to overwater at that time point. Uh, in fact, you know I've been talking to some growers locally that are that are irrigating, and what they've been most successful with um, has been instead of uh, trying to put an inch out there, if they can if they can basically every day put out a little bit of water uh, you know just to keep just to keep it damp and keep things moving yeah. along and moving in the right direction um, has worked better because when we put a whole bunch of moisture out there if it's really hot uh, we just created a sauna in there and you know under the canopy of that plant and we're creating heat stress on those on those leaves which can lead to disease issues right. on down the road as right. well um, you know so so managing your your irrigation at, at pollination time is is important. You know you don't want to just blindly be be putting water on there, um, but if you're drought stressed, irrigate your corn. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Scott, what what are you hearing from from the guys? Um, you know, out out west, uh, California wise, have you heard how how you know corn's doing out out that far? Well, they they uh, California's been a little different this year than it's been in the past. Uh, they've actually had rain. Yeah. Um, so it took them a while to figure out what that stuff was. Yeah, that stuff yeah. falling from the sky. They yeah. were running around screaming and yelling. weren't quite sure what that was all about. So it's a couple of years in a row now, and so it's a little bit different ball game out there for them. And so, but yet, you know, I mean, when I say they've gotten rain, they've gotten more than they normally would have gotten. It's not like they have; they're not having to irrigate and all these things. They're still having to do that, of course. Um, I would say that uh, one of the things that is really um, made the biggest difference in its farms from California to New York is the guys that are starting to think about staggering their planning, um, if possible. I realize we're talking about an ideal world here, okay? Um, but those that do exactly what you're talking about, plant, take a little break, plant, take a little break, plant. We know that's perfect world, right? But uh, those guys seem to be having the most success, and the guys who are breaking up their maturities. Um, you know, taking maybe a third of their crop in in earlier, much earlier than their I won't say much earlier than their normal maturity. Put a third in their normal maturity, and then a third later than their normal maturity. Um, those guys seem to be really having the most success across the entire country. Um, but I would say, you know, I, I don't hear any whole lot of difference uh, out west than normal, except they are getting a little bit more rain. So looking like a pretty good year, but it's also been really hot. 
I mean, Arizona's had um, record temperatures. And I've been there when it wasn't record temperatures and could barely. It will burn stand, you up. Yeah, that was talking about. It's, it's a dry heat. Yeah, yeah. so's an oven. <laughs> yeah. So's an oven. Make you some brownies out here, man. Come on. Burn you up. Burn you burn up. Burn you up. <laughs> so that you know that brings up something kind of interesting. You you mentioned Arizona and and something that that growers out there deal with every year. You know, we talked about planting early, getting it out early. Um, not only is uh, is it about drought stress there and how it uh, you know how it affects your yield and quality, but aflatoxin becomes an issue in some of these environments. Um, you know, and that that that's an issue continually um, when we we're talking about Arizona, but I think some of these other drought stressed areas, you know, that could be a problem as well. Yeah, no, I and, and that was kind of what I alluded to there when when I was talking about you know, with the drier corn silage, the, the, the aflatoxin and, and some of those things that, that were that in those drought areas were definitely those heat. Maybe it's not even drought. Maybe it's just heat stress areas. You know, we, we are going to have to be careful uh, when when we go to feed that stuff out that we are going to have to be looking for the aflatoxins and stuff, you know, and, um, you know, that, that stuff in Arizona, man, that's, it gets, it gets rough out there. It gets our, as our good friend once said, and climb up there like a gorilla and just hang on. So much aflatoxin that glows at night. It glows in the dark. That's exactly <laughs> he right. He had some good quotes about aflatoxin. He, he did. He did. He had, he had some great quotes. So <clears throat> no, good. Uh, so let's just kind of, we'll just kind of wrap this up just a second. You know, um, you know, here we are right, right about harvest time. Things are going Number one tip for harvest from from you, Scott. If you farmer says, "What's the number one thing that I've got to be looking for?" What's what's that? Okay, so if you're whether you're the one chopping or whether you're getting it paid, do your best to slow them down. Slow down. Don't go so quite so fast for your chopping. Um, I think it'll really help your processing quite a bit. Uh, would be one of my number one things. Okay, Kevin. Uh, I think the most important thing from my standpoint is uh, is be aware of what the moisture is in your in your crop, whether it's, you know, and, and that can go either way, like we said, you know, make sure that you, you push it long enough to uh, that you get good starch set there, but not to the point that we're getting, we're putting up dry silage. Yeah, I, I, I like I like those. Mine, mine is make sure that you're putting your silage up correct. Make sure that you're using a good inoculant. Make sure that packing density is really good. You know, you got guys driving over piles. Make sure that they're not stopping and taking breaks. Make sure that they're that, that they're just they're doing a good job. And, and really just I mean these are all things all these things that we've said are, are things that people know. It's just Making sure that, that you go out and do it. I guess when you're the, to be reminded. Yeah, and I guess when you're the host of the show, you can just throw in as many tips as you want. You don't have to limit it to one like we do. Right, exactly. You can throw no, so in six or seven. I didn't throw in six or seven. Why don't you talk about chopping too? Why don't you go ahead and talk about that, Mark? Why is that important? Well, chopping this. It, listen, <laughs> I, we've traveled way too much together. <laughs> we still have a couple weeks that we do. Yeah. I don't have to kill you now. All right, I don't. I just, it's just it's not going to be worth it. We're going to need him to cover some meetings. We got to have you him. Can't kill some, him now. I, I can't do it now. So, but are you sure? <laughs> I might be high. I, I, I might be tired. I'm sure. Yes. So yes. So when you are the host of the show, you can talk about as many as you want. I just told you two to talk about one each. I'll talk about as many as I want. So. All right, so we, we got it, guys. Hey, we appreciate you joining us for uh, for uh, MC uh, Podcast, uh, episode 22. Uh, we're glad that you're with us. Hey, remember always that we're social. Get us on, on Facebook, on YouTube, and always you can find us at seedcorn.com. Have a good day, guys.